It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I love 40s. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 620 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, December the 10th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at Woodley. Sean, find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, where we have team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got the Locked On NFL Network. If you are a fan of a team that's in the playoff race, make sure you're checking out the corresponding Locked On show covering that team. On the NHL side, we've got 27 of 31 teams covered uh, with daily local shows, plus a fantasy and a national show so please listen to those if you're a hockey fan and uh you know the deal by now if you want to support a show on the network please subscribe rate and review on itunes stitcher spotify google play wherever you get your podcast it's very much appreciated all right on today's show we're going to talk about nice things like Kawhi leonard and his return and his legacy in toronto in a second but we should probably start out by talking about the uh, horrible win the raptors picked up over the chicago bulls in probably the worst game just visually of the season and joining me to talk about that game regrettably is Vivek Jacob it's not regrettable that you're on it's just re- regrettable to be able to talk about it you can tell me how you really feel Sean okay. <laughs> yeah I'm just saddled with you as a podcast guest and it's miserable no no I'm very happy to have you pal uh, uh, <laughs> I can't even muster the strength to talk about this one I'm looking at the box score <laughs> The first quarter was so open and free, it was 30-30, to 30, and then the next three quarters are 21-19 Chicago, 22-20 Toronto, and then 22-21 Toronto. Just like ultimate mid-2000s bullshit. Uh, what, were your big, big, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? We don't have to go multiple takeaways, just one takeaway, and then we'll get the hell out of here. Yeah, my biggest takeaway is that back-to-backs are stupid, and it's <laughs> stupid that we still have them. <laughs> that was my biggest. You had two teams playing on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, the Raptors had to go from Philadelphia to Chicago. Chicago played an overtime game uh, and then had to get ready for this one. So it was in Miami they uh, played the overtime game. Yeah, yeah. And so they got back at five in the morning, uh, and then you've got to get ready for this. We we keep reading over and over again about the negative effects of back-to-backs. Um, the science behind the lack of sleep and still nothing uh, seems to be on the horizon in terms of, I mean obviously they've reduced it 
but the fact that they haven't taken it seriously enough to just say hey this is something we need to get rid of uh, is annoying and frustrating because it results in a watered down product like we saw last night and frankly that's part of why uh, they might be having a problem with ratings yeah, like I'm not on the sort of extreme tip of schedule reduction where I think it should be like 58 games and two games against every team and no conferences. Like I am sympathetic to the idea that a longer season means more money. And also, I like basketball. I would like a longer season. But if you're sort of like nickel and diming as an owner and being like, man, we can't go down to 70 games because what are we going to do about all this money? Like, how much sure is anybody really losing if a game like last night just doesn't exist or if it's got multiple rest days built around it? Like, it was just yeah. unwatchable garbage uh, until the last few minutes when it got kind of fun and stupid. But um, for the most part, it was just like no team had flow. No team really cared to try on defense, but it almost didn't matter because the shots that were going up were short and lifeless anyway. And yeah, pretty brutal game all around. And you know the Raptors cut their losing streak, ah, cut their losing streak down at three, and it's nice that they pick up the win, get back in the win column. Not exactly the most encouraging victory of all time, considering the way they played, and considering that it took a Marcus All stand at the buzzer against Zach Levine, who uh, is just miserable, by the way. God, the Bulls suck. Uh, but it took that to come away with a victory. Um, Vivek. Does this win do anything to sort of ease any of your concerns that you've had about the team recently? Do you even have concerns about the team recently? Are you erring more on the side of this is a temporary setback that is you know going to resolve itself as they get more used to playing with Lowry in the lineup? Uh, where are you at in terms of the status and the health of the team as of right now? Uh, I do think this is a temporary setback because it's not like there were major chemistry issues in the first eight games that, you know, Kawhi and Serge played. And Siakam and everyone looked to be in sync. So, mm-hmm. obviously, they've lost some of that in the time that they've been out. And now it's a question of finding that. And uh, while keeping Rondé and Terrence involved and maybe Boucher a bit more. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I will only consider this an, a temporary setback for now. Um at the same time, I think I was looking at the schedule and about six of the next nine, six, maybe six of the next ten are you know, pretty pretty good opponents as well. So there's still more of a sample size over which we can see uh, things maybe come together a bit more. And yeah, I think the biggest thing is just let, let these two guys return in, Kyle and Serge, get some time back in the rotation. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, there's 60 games left in the season. Uh, for them to figure it out and at the end of the day this season was always going to be about figuring out what's what so Mm -hmm. um you know it's funny everyone sort of wanted to joke about how or you know was even seriously saying that hey this is a season where there's no expectations and you can get to enjoy it and all of a sudden they come out and start uh the way they did and now all of a sudden the expectations are raised so it's funny how it goes like that yeah i mean I think uh, it's probably good that this happened in sort of the psyche of fans, uh, at least when it comes to the psyche of fans, because 
I think it would have been unrealistic to expect him to play at like a 65 win pace all season long. And I think it was always going to happen where, you know, growing pains were going to happen for Pascal Siakam in particular. And just sort of the team working without Kawhi and Danny Green, like it was always going to be a bit of a struggle offensively. And I'm not surprised we've seen the half court offense get a little bogged down recently. And I think that's totally to be expected. And keep in mind, they've played some very good defenses and also the Bulls and Rockets over the last few games. And it was, it's not like they've had this easy run of schedule where it's easy to sort of get everyone back into the swing of things. Right. And so I am with you. I think it's temporary. I think, you know, as much as we expected the insane three-point shooting of the start of the season to regress back to the mean at some point. Also, them shooting 25 to 30% from three every game is also going to regress positively to the mean at some point here, and they'll settle in somewhere around league average, I would assume, maybe a little bit above, because they do have pretty good shooters everywhere. There's not like a glaringly awful shooter outside of Ronda Hellas Jefferson out there just bombing threes and bricking them all the time. And so I am... Uh, I'm pretty confident that the threes will start falling and the offense will look, little, will look a little more smooth as a result. And I think, you know, it was, it, it's, I think, important to temper expectations a little bit because that is the point of this season. The point is to not have crazy expectations. Just enjoy the ride and really sort of embrace the lack of stress and urgency and all of the stuff that's going on with this team because it hasn't existed for a very long time. And, you know, when you're 16 and 7 and... You, you're, yes, you've lost a few games, but ultimately it's not going to kill you or anything in the standings or the race for the home court in the first round or anything like that. I think it's pretty easy to sort of take stock of the 16-7 and seven start at this point and sort of be really happy with the results. And also when you c- compare and contrast with what the Bulls are, just be happy you're not that because, oh my God, <laughs> like it's it's a nightmare. Like, Laurie Markkinen... Sucks, I think. I think Zach Levine is a terrible uh, number one option to have. I think Chris Dunn is very clearly very bad. Um, You know, Wendell Carter is nice, but man, that is a nightmare of a team. And just think back to the days when the Raptors arena sounded like the Bulls arena did last night. Like, is there a more depressing sound than just that low hum of, like, discontent and disappointment? When a, when a game is going back and forth and there are long stretches without buckets for the home team and you can just hear just like the angst building up that like that that murmur that hum was like very clear on the uh, on the broadcast last night and I just I'm glad that Raptors fans aren't subjected to that anymore because that sucked and I don't know do you have any like opinions on the Bulls before we move on? Yeah, I, I mean I do like Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, I, I did think they had something kind of interesting going at the end of last season when they were playing better basketball uh, and Otto Porter Jr. was a part of that too but yeah they've been sort of rudderless ever since the Jordan years um, they had that brief little uh, run with Eric Rose when he looked like an MVP but since then again they've been back to uh what they are now and I don't see the direction of the franchise again this is so, sort of the biggest thing right when you when you look at teams that know what they're doing you, you can see the pieces come together you can see um, a vision of what the future looks like and so with the Bulls uh, you know ever you know the Jimmy Butler deal well, what are they really trying to accomplish right now is it just you know to make an eight seed to make a seven seed um, if that's the goal then you know 
they might have the pieces to do that. But if they want to be anything more, uh, you know, at a certain point, they're, they're going to have to look upstairs and say, hey, they clearly don't have people uh, that know what they're doing with regards to that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the word direction because that was kind of the thing I took from last night's game was, yeah, the Raptors are missing shots and it wasn't the crispest offense they've ever run, but you could tell there was still like a process to everything they were doing. Like they were running their sets hard. They, you know, they kind of knew exactly what they wanted to do on offense. It just wasn't, you know, resulting in fruitful, you know, possessions, but you know, on defense as well, you saw it too, where it was just like, okay, they're going to switch this up, they're going to run a zone here, they're going to, you know, trap here, they're going to sort of do their thing where they're a little bit multiple on defense, and they know exactly what and why they're doing everything, whereas the Bulls just seem totally without any sort of rudder at all, and it's like, all right, I guess Zach Levine's going to jack up a, a shot with four, with 20 seconds on the clock, and I guess... Thomas Adarancy's going to get his here, and I guess like, it just felt like very much like a take-turny type of offense, and the defense doesn't have the identity and, and that the Raptors clearly have, and so like it always felt like the Raptors were a couple minutes away from turning it on and winning the game, and that was ultimately what happened when the Chicago starters came back in with about six minutes left, and they pissed the lead away, and as much as the Raptors' offense wasn't finishing, like they were getting themselves in the position where it was like, okay, as soon as like one or two of these shots falls it's definitely going to be over. Um, and, you know, credit to them for that, I guess, and pulling it out. Uh, quick shouts to OG Ananobi, who was awesome in this game. His defense is just fucking absurd and uh, continues to be. And Marcus Gasol, his defense in this game was insane. Won the game at the end with a couple of yes. stops. Man, Gasol was great last night. He's amazing. He, uh, yeah, again, you know, no matter what, we say about him offensively, the value that he brings to defensively. And, I mean, again, even offensively, it's just that individual offense, right? He offers so much in terms of uh, the playmaking and the spacing. Um, but, yeah, defensively, the way he's able to man the back line when, when he helps, uh, you know, in the pick-and-roll action, uh, he's got such quick hands uh, and is able to read plays and call them out. Um, yeah, he's... He, you know, and frankly, this was something I talked about after the Jazz game. His versatility in terms of matching up with all kinds of centers in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, th- I think in, when you look at it that way, I, I still would consider him uh, a better defensive center than even Rudy Gobert. I know Gobert gets the blocks and uh, can command a lot in the paint, but when you look at the things that Gasol is able to do, you look at Nick Nurse being being able to say, "Hey, we're going to go box and one. We're going to go triangle and two. We're going to go two three. We're going to we're going to go man to man." You to have a center that can just jump from one to the other mm-hmm. and do that. I think that makes him the most valuable defensive center in the league. And it's not even that just that he can sort of go on the coach's whims. He can go on his own whims, right, and sort of call out the coverage himself yeah. and like direct it because he's such a damn genius. And I. Uh... Yeah, it's. I know the the contest for all defense is always difficult, and Gobert is always in there because of the blocks and stuff. Although hopefully the uh, the Chris Paul fake out last night will uh, make people think a little bit more about Rudy Gobert. Because uh, <laughs> man, that was great. I like Gasol. I think probably should be at least in the running, if not definitely on 
one of the two center spots on the L defense teams right now. I mean, he's been ridiculous. And, and I know a lot of Raptors have been very good at defense, but that's kind of their calling card. And so I'm not surprised there are a few guys that you could probably throw in there, in particular OG and Gasol. Yes. I mean, OG last night... I, I would say... Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I would say the only center that has probably has a legit case over uh, Gasol right now would be Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he's literally been able to guard everyone you know you'd have to say his movement is better than Gasol's um so you know maybe in that regard you can put him over obviously in terms of still the IQ and stuff like that you probably give the edge to Gasol but yeah if there's anyone that's really giving Gasol a run for his money it's Bam Adebayo yeah I mean and B too I guess because the Sixers are so good but even then there's just so much defensive help there too so um Shouts to Gasol, man. He's been awesome. He's been really, really fun to watch. And nine, nine, five, two, and four is one of my favorite Gasol lines. He has lots of weird, fun, quirky lines, but that's a really fun one from last <laughs> night. And I, I honestly, with the way Serge Ibaka has been struggling, and he, you know, got on the boards last night, and that was nice. But uh, just three of eleven, and he, he seems to have like extreme butterfingers lately. I don't know what the deal is. Um, but I just I find myself just counting down the minutes until Gasol is back in a lot of the times in these games, and I know that's probably not great for Gasol's health if the Raptors are forced to lean on him too much. But he's uh, he's awesome, man. He's just he's such a treat to watch every single night. And again, one of those really fun things about this season that even if there are bad games. You get to watch Marcus Gasol every night, and that should be appreciated and enjoyed, um, as should OG Ananobi's defense. As, as I was going to say there, he had a, OG had a stretch in the third quarter where I thought he had like, clinched the game himself with his defense. Um, I think it's when they went up 66-60, and he had a couple steals, and he got the run out dunk, and just looked incredible. And obviously they pissed it back away, but OG rules. I'm loving his game lately, and it's nice to see him kind of bounce back after a bit of a down stretch. Um, but that's, we went way too long on the Bulls game. That game did not deserve 15 plus minutes of conversation. And so we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, we are going to dive all in to Kawhi Leonard and his legacy in Toronto ahead of his return on Wednesday uh, against the Raptors with the Clippers. Uh, so we'll come back and we'll get into that in just a second. But first, I want to remind people to uh, share with us if you have Spotify wrapped and the Locked On Podcast Network and our shows are in your top five for podcasts of the year, please share that with us and we will share that out on our social feeds. It's very much appreciated and very cool to see when you have Locked On shows in your Spotify wrapped at the end of the year. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Uh, all right, let's get into Kawhi here. Vivek, you have done an excellent mm-hmm. 
series of videos uh, about Kawhi and his return at yahoosports.com with or Yahoo Canada, Yahoo Sports Canada. I don't know what the the website URL is. Who knows what any URL is anymore? Yahoosports.ca. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Uh, I knew it was something close to that. Yeah. Um, you, Blake Murphy, will do Alex Wong uh, a great collection of videos just talking about Kawhi and his legacy. Um, and I guess we can start there and sort of dive into our own feelings. But so with the videos that you guys were doing. As you were talking about all the different phases of the Kawhi experience, the acquisition, the media day, the, the regular season, the playoffs, everything, the Kawhi watch and all that stuff, was there anything that you guys talked about or like sort of reminisced about that you kind of forgot? Because I, 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 I'm finding myself just reminding myself of all these little Kawhi-isms and things that happen with Kawhi throughout the season that you kind of forget because the season is such a big, long slog, right? And you kind of forget the little, you know, January games and, and whatnot. Is, was there anything in particular that stood out to you in terms of stuff you kind of forgot, but now you're finding yourself fondly reminiscing about? Yeah, one of the things that was brought up that I'd forgotten about was, you know, Kyle and Kawhi going and getting insomnia cookies. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, that was cool. And then... Uh, we didn't we didn't talk about it on the show uh, or on the series of videos, but uh, one thing I remembered after you know we're all collecting our memories is uh, that one that one road trip where uh, Kawhi bought everyone on the plane uh, fried chicken, hmm. and that was that was another cool one where you know you were like oh okay he actually he likes these guys uh, things are starting to come together, uh, but yeah you remember the quotes. Uh, there are so many great ones, you know, going back to Toronto for game three, um, you know, the let's get both, uh, telling Nick Nurse that, hey, I don't want to hear any of these D-League stories. Um, <laughs> you know what, though, the one, the, one, the one I did forget uh, that I'm glad Will brought up was uh, <laughs> the Norm Dapp, the ignored... Uh, Norm Dapp and Kawhi just sort of saying, I've got a championship to win. I don't have time for this right now. <laughs> Man. I yeah. I was on the uh, Raptors Rapture podcast earlier today. You can go listen to that if you'd like. Um, we were talking about this and just sort of the things yeah. we miss most about Kawhi. And honestly, the, the on-court stuff is great, obviously. And this is the reason why we all have championship gear today and all that. But his personality like sort of learning Kawhi and you know there's only so much you can learn from him obviously but learning him and sort of figuring out that oh this is a guy with like a a real personality and not just a real personality but like a kind of insanely relatable personality in a way that no other superstar athlete really is because he's just a dude who wants to play basketball and not really like absorb himself with all of the other stuff and I don't know I, I just found him to be so easy to root for and his like motivation seemed so understandable after getting to watch him for a year I I think you know when he was with the Spurs you can kind of get bogged down in the oh this guy you know he's not a true superstar he doesn't like he's not outgoing he he doesn't like put himself out there as if that matters in any way and getting to watch him for a year and just sort of seeing all the little sort of weird ticks that he had and just he just seemed like a funny dude who didn't want to be bothered and wanted to play basketball and you know there's something to be said for the gregarious outgoing types we all love them obviously but there's also something to be said for someone who you could tell was very clearly 
he has some personality inside him that he's just so like reticent to you know let out there for strangers and the little fragments that he did let go were just like so fun and easy to hold on to I, I just I found him to just be a really deeply exciting and lovable player to watch in a way that I never expected like what were your expectations when he was brought in like I know there was all the oh, is he going to report there's all the, the concern about that but like what was your sort of impression of him just as a guy when he was acquired by the Raptors uh as a guy, I mean, obviously there were those hilarious HEV commercials uh, <laughs> during his time in San Antonio. So um, I was hoping we'd get to see more of that side. And in terms of on-court, I didn't know what to expect because um, this is one of the things I said on the series. You know, it was sort of like we didn't know how hurt Kawhi really was and how uh, chronic this problem was and uh, whether he could be uh, that sort of the best player in the league type player again. Uh, and so to see those things sort of play out and for him, you know, you you could tell that he was the one that every press conference, every practice just loved to actually talk about basketball, right? Like he'd get those questions about, hey, how do you feel about hugs? How do you feel about <laughs> uh, all that kind of stuff? And he'd be like, hey, is this what we're really talking about? But when you actually asked him, basketball questions he would give you an insightful answer and so I think those are the things that stood out to me and you know when I look back at the way he influenced everyone on the roster obviously we've got the whole, whole you know everyone wants to be like Mike but the way everyone on the Raptors team last year wanted to be like Kawhi and you looked at everyone's demeanor sort of changing in terms of not getting too high, not getting too low. Uh, obviously, there's that sort of iconic walk back uh, to the locker room after game four at Oracle Arena mm-hmm. where no one's celebrating, no one's doing anything. Uh, they knew they still had one more win to get. Uh, those are the things that I, I will remember. And, you know, we talk about legacy. I think those are the things that will sort of carry over uh, even while he's gone because that's a mindset thing uh, that's a championship pedigree thing and guys like Siakam Van Vliet Lowry they will carry that over into the next you know iterations of the Raptors to come totally and one other thing too that I have found myself I guess sort of just sort of thinking about and reminding myself of as I've sort of dove back into the Kawhi stuff this week in preparation for Wednesday is I think we kind of sleep on how fucking ridiculous his playoffs were. Like, there were the obvious moments, right? There was the the shot and the game six against the Bucks and the game five against the Warriors where he almost won the thing by himself and all of those crazy individual games. But, like, if you just look from the start of the playoffs to the end, the numbers he put up are just fucking ludicrous. Like, it's... Like, I don't even... I I don't know if we properly appreciated it. Yeah, it was, like, it's really hard to properly appreciate it in the time because it's something that was so new and foreign to Raptors fans to see someone on that level in the playoffs just every single game. But... Like, going back, I feel like if you were to rewatch every single game or just all of, like, Kawhi's super cuts from every game, 
you'd be even more sort of just like in awe of what we saw. And I think everyone was pretty much in awe, but just the the consistency with which he absolutely punked the other team was was nuts. And like any time there was a game where he would sort of slip, it was like, okay, then he'll bounce back with, you know, 34 more points on 12 of 20 shooting or whatever it's going to be. Um, did you have a favorite game of his in the postseason? I know there's so many, and, like, there's the individual moments, I suppose, like the dunk on Giannis or the shot, but, like, in terms of overall game, did you have a favorite one or one where you were just sitting there in the most amount of odd how good he was? Uh, I think I would have to say game three against Milwaukee. Mm, yeah. When to, to literally be on one leg and will himself to perform the way he did will the Raptors to victory with Kyle Lowry fouled out I thought that was some that that was something that that is above and beyond talent right like at that point he is just saying no this is not how my story will be written uh in Toronto I'm not going down over three we are not going to lose the series I'm going to do everything we have to do. I mean, he's jumping off the long, uh, the wrong leg to dunk. Still, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, that that that's the game that stands out to me. He backs against the wall. Uh, no one's really got anything. And I mean, you know, again, like I'm thinking about it, and it's man, what he did in Game Seven. You know, obviously we all talk about the shot, but you know, if you watch that game back, you know. Marcus Hall really wasn't shooting the ball. Kyle Lowry looked hesitant. It looked like they were just hoping that Kawhi could get them over the hump offensively. Um, obviously, they made plays defensively, uh, but offensively, they needed so much from him, and he was emptying the clip. Um, and yeah, but if, they, if there's one, I'll, I'll pick. The, I'll pick that game, game three uh, against Milwaukee, to sort of keep Toronto alive. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Interesting. I uh, I don't think I'd take that one, although it's a really good uh, option for sure. And the like, just surviving, just surviving that uh, that last like six minutes without Kyle. He had nine assists in that game, or sorry, no, he had five. He had nine a couple games later um, in Game Five, which was also an incredible choice. If you pick Game Five because of what he did in that fourth quarter when he just like completely took over, he what bombed two threes over Brook Lopez Lopez's head. Um, and was amazing in that one too. I think for me, it's probably you kind of forget about Game One against the Sixers. You have forty-five points in that game on sixteen of twenty-three. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, just ungodly good. And then there's that one. There's Game Four against the Sixers, obviously with the three over MB. That's one of the bigger shots he hit. There's too many choices is what I'm trying to say here. There's way too many choices. He just... yeah. It was the consistency with which he was just so up to the moment and then, like, going above and beyond the moment. It was... 
like we'll never see that again, man. <laughs> it's we yeah. might end up, we might never see that from Kawhi again. I mean, I, I don't know what the future holds with the Clippers or with his leg or with whatever, but it feels like it's going to be really hard for him to ever replicate what happened in this run between the the shot and then the number of times where he was the singular star of the few of the future champions and, and like just save their ass and, and I don't want to make this sound like it was only Kawhi that is the reason why the Raptors won the title because it's obviously not and I, I think one of the most poetic and you know for me enjoyable things about the entire postseason is that and into the entire run is the fact that in Game Six it wasn't really Kawhi that took him there it was Siakam and Lowry and Abaka and Fred and the guys who had been there through the shit who really sort of came through in the last game. And Kawhi kind of took a back seat in that one, but the number of times that he was the only person in the front seat, it's it is kind of unbelievable. And ultimately, it's probably game one against Philly for me in terms of just his most like overwhelmingly dominant game. But then there's like the last 18 mm-hmm. minutes or so of game six against the Bucks, where you lose that game, you go back to Milwaukee, who knows what to expect. You're probably not favorites to win that game by any means. Every game that you're playing is one less it was one more game where Kawhi is hurt and, you know, one potential, you know, slip away from just not being effective anymore. And then he comes out when they're down fifteen or fourteen, I think it's seventy six sixty one. And they go on that like twenty two to three run or something insane like that. Finish with the dunk, but it began with 10 points in three minutes with like those two devastating offensive boards. I I just, there's so much here. (laughs) It's like, there's more individual standout moments in this one playoff run, let alone the regular season where he had his own flourishes as well. But there are more moments in the one playoff run than most players offer up a fan base in their entire careers. Like that's, that's one thing that, like, if you're sad about Kawhi leaving, there's just so much more to appreciate here than most other people ever get that it's hard to really be all, all that upset about it. So, man. <laughs> yeah, even now, the, uh, the other thing I think about, and obviously I, I wouldn't put this game anywhere near the ones that we've mentioned, mm. but game two against Orlando. Yeah. You know, I remember after game one, him being asked, oh, you know, the thing is this game one curse and whatnot. He's like, what about it? <laughs> it's just like what are you guys talking about it's like yeah we lost, we lost the game we'll come back and then he came out in game two and absolutely destroyed them and then there was that you know again sort of a, 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 this amazing uh, sort of t- take on video where you have Kawhi going back to the bench getting the standing ovation and then the camera pans to Masai right behind him Yeah, and it was like yeah this is this is why we got this guy. <laughs> yeah, I hope someone wins an award for that camera work. That'd be good. Um, <laughs> so I've been throwing around this idea, and I and I think it's true. And I and we, we won't really know, I guess, for fifteen years or so. But do you think Kawhi's impact on the franchise, basketball, and the country, you know, all of that stuff, is going to go down as? greater than what Vince ever was? Because I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, it, 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 it is. It will, but I mean, one doesn't happen without the other, right? It's true, yeah. Like, the, the, the passion that the city, the, the country now has for basketball 
uh, and growth that, that it's the development that's happened to this point that doesn't happen without Vince and now because of Kawhi it'll take that next step right mm. uh, one of the things I said on that Kawhi series was I think the next the, the, the legacy that we'll see for Kawhi play out is all these Canadian kids that would have seen Kawhi do what he did mm-hmm. saying hey I want to be the best player in the world and I want to be the best player in the world wearing a Raptors uniform mm-hmm. and you know in a parade of million of millions of Canadians celebrating a title and you know when we talk about Kawhi wanting to go home and that might be the ultimate legacy if he has all these Canadians that become the best in the world wanting to come home and play for the Raptors mm-hmm. yeah I've been thinking about that a little bit this week um, for some reason I don't really know why but just sort of as the depth of Canadian talent gets deeper and like none of the really good Canadian players are anywhere close to free agency or anything like that and it's all very distant but like I do wonder if the Raptors are setting themselves up here to just be the place that all these guys eventually want to come to right and sort of like it'd be kind of interesting if and I guess a little poetic if you know the Raptors are viewed as this team that can't hang on to free agents and they lose Kawhi to LA because it's the big glamour market that Kawhi wanted to go home to but in turn, Kawhi's lasting impact is sort of paving the way for the next wave of Canadian players who maybe latched on over the last year or so, and then 10, 15 years from now, there's just a, an overwhelming wealth of Canadian players that maybe like we're seeing double what they have in the league right now. Like I can only imagine the number is going to go up from here, and they're already almost at like 20 in the NBA right now in terms of Canadians, and I wonder how that sort of factors into the Raptors calculus when it comes to free agency and stuff like that. It is. Uh... Yeah, Nick Nurse is going to coach the same team <laughs> at FIBA tournaments and the NBA <laughs> season. Yeah, the Jamal Murray, Shea Gildas Alexander, uh, insert six foot eight wing who is 11 years old right now, and Pascal Siakam team is going to be fantastic. I can't wait. <laughs> I guess Giannis, too. <laughs> can't forget Giannis. He'll be there as well. Um, no. Yeah. yeah. Are you excited for tomorrow? I, I I can't wait. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, I am very excited for tomorrow. Uh, looking forward to. I'm I'm glad there's sort of a special uh, ceremony for him to receive his ring. Because mm-hmm. uh, initially I wasn't even sure. Like, is it something that they're just gonna give to him behind the scenes? Is it something that they're gonna and then just to sort of you know a tribute video at the end of the first quarter. I didn't know how they would do it, so I think this is the right way to go about it before the game. Um, give the crowd a chance to acknowledge him, and and then you know we'll let the ball go up, and it'll be back to let's go Raptors. Yeah, I um I, I can't imagine the response is going to be anything but pro Kawhi. I know you know there, there was a Clippers blog last night that was suggesting that he's going to get booed or something and I just think that's uh, idiotic and, and like maybe there'd be like 5% of people who were booing but I can't imagine people anyone who truly appreciated what the run was and right. like enjoyed it I, I can't imagine your reaction to Kawhi is anything other than screaming your head off with cheer and glee and happiness because like it doesn't happen without him <laughs> like all of the things we just said, all of the sports fan memories you've picked up, all of the individual moments of 
just like getting embedded into your mind. None of it happens without Kawhi, and I just we the champs the book. Yeah, the the beautiful book that you definitely have on your coffee table, and if you don't buy it now, uh, <laughs> none of that happens without him. And I, I just <laughs> to begrudge a guy for going home after he very easily could have packed it in after he hurt himself dunking on Giannis's ass in Game Three. Like that's it. That's the one thing about Game Three that I will sort of agree with you on, and that it is probably the game that stands out the most. Is that that's the turning point for Kawhi, right? Where it's like, okay. My leg is fucked. I have a degenerative condition, and I know this. And it's not going to get any easier for me here. We're in the middle of the conference finals. He very easily could have packed it in and just not given it as all. They lose that game to go down 0-3, and it's pretty much academic from there. And then he goes off into the sunset, and it was still a nice year, but it's not what it became. And you know, the fact that he played through that is even more sort of proof to me that there's just no... There should be no ill will at all. There's just there, there can't be. It, you're missing the point of why we do all of this if there's any sort of animosity towards Kawhi. And so I think that's probably a good place to leave yeah. it. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I mean, as you say, it's a good place to leave it. I feel bad. Um, no, the only thing I would say is I, I expecting less than a standing ovation, a very thunderous applause when he receives his ring and acknowledges a crowd. I wouldn't be surprised if there are boos for him during the game and, mm. uh, and I would expect that to be more out of hey at the end of the day it's Raptors over everything you chose to leave this is the team we support as opposed to hey we hate you yeah I, I just that would be the same as like booing Carl Anthony Towns when he has the ball to me like it's just a guy on the other team why would you boo him individually especially when he's brought you a title I don't know Maybe yeah, you're right. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying it, it wouldn't surprise me to see that. Yeah. Also, I have to bleep out that part where you said Raptors over everything. We can't be, you know, building up the other podcast on here. God. Get your shit together, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's probably a good spot to leave it, man. This was fun. Uh, meandering, for sure. But I appreciate you coming on and chatting with me, dude. And I will... Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. We're doing a very special podcast tomorrow in the afternoon that I'm very excited for. We're not going to spoil what it is just yet, but can't wait. Katie's involved, too. It's going to be a blast. Yay. Do you have uh, anything you want to plug? Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I like I'm Jacob. I will have a Marcus All feature coming out Friday. Hell yeah. So look forward to that. And then Monday I will have the second Raptors report. So, yeah, you can look out for all of that in the coming days. Obviously, there'll be plenty of Kawhi content um, before Friday as well. Sounds good, dude. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. That'll be fun. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your, get your podcast. It's much appreciated. Uh, as we mentioned, We the Champs is still available. If you're looking for a Christmas gift idea, Secret Santa, what Yankee swap, or just for people in your life who like the Raptors, I cannot possibly think of something that would make me happier for you to buy. So uh, please go do that. It's only like 20 bucks. I think it's like maybe 16 bucks at Indigo right now. So an affordable gift that will fit under your office limits and stuff like that as well. And that will do it. We will talk to you uh, tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Raptors.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 